Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Strife's Sanctum. My name is Citizen Strife, and this week, on the anime side of things, we're going to delve deep into, yet again, yet another darker concept, another darker show. Eventually, I'm going to get to some comedies, I, I guarantee you, but if it's not like a super personal favorite of mine, I tend to veer towards the darker or the more mature ones, and this has a nature of me being older, but as you can see by the visual, today we are talking about Gankutsuo, the Mon the Count of Monte Cristo. Um, I'm going to do my best to not say Gankutsuo as much as possible because it will get me tongue-tied, so I will usually just refer to Monte Cristo or the Count when I'm talking about the show. Um, but this is one of my favorites, and this is going back all the way to 2006. When I happened upon a Netflix show, remember when Netflix had anime, then it wasn't streaming, and they'd just send you DVDs, and they'd send you s certain amounts of DVDs and shit. Well, one of the shows that I watched bit by bit was Gonkutsuo, and again, it was one of those things that really was an awestruck sort of sensation, and the visual style definitely adds to that. I had not read the Alexander Dumas novel, or Dumas, I, f I don't know the pronunciation. I know that they, uh, it is an older novel, it's a French novel, and it's certainly something that, you know, people would have read in something like a high school or whatever. I read stuff like Grapes of Wrath and whatever. I have no knowledge of the novel or, like, any of the movies that came out, whether it's, an er like, an early one or the 2000s one, but... I know a movie version was referenced in V for Vendetta. That's about as all I know about it, other than this show. So take that for what it is. I'm talking about the show as it stands, not what it comparing it to a novel. Again, I have not read it, and knowing my schedule, I'm probably never going to. But as far as anime adaptations go, you forgive me for thinking this was exactly as the novel portrayed now sure the space setting stuff and the parasite the parasitic demons and whatever are probably not in there but a lot of it really gives me a lot to dive into this is going to be a spoiler version so be aware of that if you haven't seen the show i mean it's seven it's 16 to 17 years old now so bear that in mind I will have the spoiler tag on the video just in case, but I will talk about them as much as I can. Because again, this is a novel, so there's a lot to draw from. But this did inspire me quite a bit. I even, you know, back when I was playing guitar, I even wrote a song based on this show. I was that inspired by it. And there is so much good to talk about. Um, again, I think the main thing that anybody talks about when they see this is the visual design, and we're going to go into that for sure. It is such a different type of design. It is such a layered design, and something that, you know, anime CG was even still not capable of. I'm shocked that it even exists now, much less 15 years ago. Um but it looks like a tapestry when people are walking around it's like a walking tapestry and yet they're on their it's on their clothing it's in the the space it's in the defined areas or when you go to certain like seedier parts of of villas or vistas or whatever or like the beginning scene in luna you just see this crazy 
visual style that no other show can do. You have things like Madoka Magica that seem like it, but are doing it in a different way. This is taking character designs and using them to tell a story to the viewer through the look. And it is a massive achievement. And again, I just am in awe of what they were able to do. The space stuff, again, is more a reason as to the creator of the show wanted to do a different adaptation. He wanted, I think it was My Stars, My Destination, I believe. He was refused that request and then decided to adapt The Count of Monte Cristo into Don Kutsubo, a more space-oriented sci-fi aesthetic, but it's not all that sci-fi. Some of it works, some of it doesn't. Think of it almost like taking the Count of Monte Cristo into like a Thor world, I guess. Like sort of sci-fi, but also like not based in gods, but ba based in uh, god lore. The 18th century you know, princes and noblemen's and aristocrats and all that stuff. So the aristocratic nature of a France setting of the original novel, but done with some sheen of some crazy sci-fi stuff. And a couple of things here and there. They don't overdo it. So if you find that part distracting, it's not there. If you find that they could have done more with it, I, you know, I, I actually on that side, I wish they would have done more, but they did what they could while maintaining the core of the novel. And when it comes down to it, this is a story of revenge. This is a story of a man basically taking 10 to 20 years to enact a plan to ruin people's lives, much like he was ruined. So the main character is the Count of Monte Cristo himself. And in this version, he's voiced by Jameson Price, who did Sojuro in Persona 5, among many other characters I'm very familiar with. I think this is his best one. Because the Count of Monte Cristo himself is not really villainous. He's not really a nice guy. He kind of skirts the line of both. But you feel justified because they they know that something is up, and you know that something is up, and they don't really hide it. They hide the machinations to which he actually succeeds in his plans or enacts his plans. But he comes off as like a charisma of 10. Like he just is owning every scene he is in. And I know that the show focuses on Albert, but let's be honest, the Count himself is the main draw. Other than the visuals and the story, the Count is such a mythic figure. Almost a vampire, almost an undead-looking guy. You see it in, the, in that image there. Just this flowing green hair and green skin. Counteracted by all that black and red flame attire. It's just so bombastic. And yet he comes across as this, just larger-than-life yet very disturbed individual. And that has to do with a sort of character, sort of ephemeral being known as Gankutsuo, voiced by Richard Epcar, who was Bato in Ghost of the Shell. Uh, Gankutsuo doesn't really show up a, a lot. And I guess 
the way it works is he was supposed to be a character, but was turned into more of an ephemeral being, kind of a thing that acted on Edmund or the Count's just personal insecurities and thought, you know, lust for revenge, almost like a parasitic being. So the Count is the one doing it all, but Gunkutsuo is the one basically driving him more insane as he does it. And, you know, they give you a lot to work with as far as going absolutely batshit, but he doesn't go absolutely insane. He is that more, like, very quiet, very stoic kind of insane, where you know that he's very threatening when he has to be. And it comes to pass because of Albert. Uh, Albert Derry Morserf is the viewpoint character. Not the main character, but the viewpoint character. And he's voiced by Johnny Young Bosch and done well because, you know, Johnny is a great actor as always. Um, again, he's supposedly the main character and the one that gets the most screen time, but the Count himself is who I would consider the main character of the story. Albert is there as a way to kind of show you, like, the effect that the Count's machinations have on Albert, his family, his situation, and... Albert comes off as a bit of a bit of an idiot and, you know, constantly weighing like this person who is somewhat his savior, but is really just using him to get to his family because he does not know that everybody else seems to know that, but he goes along with it because he thinks the count is so nice. And yet we know that the count is not, um, but I guess you need a character like that to play the foil and play the dumb fuck every once in a while. And and Johnny does give give a good performance as playing this guy who's caught in the middle of all this crazy bullshit that really he has no control over. He thinks he does. He wants to, but he does not. And his family is at the center of it all. Um, before we get to his family, there's still a couple other main characters, one being Heide. Uh, voiced by Stephanie Shea, who was uh, in Persona 3, uh, The Answer, as Metis, but she's been in stuff like Fooly Cooly, Eureka 7, you know, you name it. She's been a ton of, in a ton of stuff over the last 20, 25 years. Uh, Heide herself, think of, like, the best way I would describe it would be, uh, if anybody watched, well, obviously people watched Infinity War and Endgame, I mean, duh, but bear with me on this, I've got the idea. Think of that storyline where Thanos took Gamora under his wing, even though his will enslaved a country or caused it to genocide. Basically, she is Gamora was Thanos's adopted daughter, I guess. Hyde is kind of the same way, and she doesn't know it, but she plays a pivotal role in that. But she's almost like a doll. Uh, she's there kind of to just give the Count somebody to be with. Not in a love sort of situation, but in a, like, I'm going nuts, but I need somebody to kind of keep me sane while I'm doing it. You know, that sort of thing. And Hetty does play a major role later on when she's revealed to have been a, a slave in a in a political plot in a military coup it was Albert's father who did it so yeah 
pretty pretty important why that would why she would have a, have a role in there. Um, but the nice thing is they don't weigh on it. They give time for her character to breathe as this kind of side character who's not really moving the plot, but you know she's important. And when it comes time for her to be important, they make it a focal point. Um, so again, she's not there as like any love interest or anything like that. And I think that's to the benefit of the show because, you know, not everything has to have a love story, right? And Albert already has a love story in his own freaking show. So it doesn't have to be Heidi, you know, it doesn't have to be a harem show. Thank God for that. This is not a harem show. And thank God, um, cause there's other stuff to do. Um, Albert's friend is Franz Depinay, um, and Franz is nice, but kind of that grounded central character that just knows that Albert is doing something very wrong. He doesn't really know how to kind of get Albert out of this, like, Days. It's almost like Albert is just struck dumb by how good the Count is. And uh, Franz is played by Ezra Weiss. And Ezra's been in some stuff. I think this is the one, the show I know him most from. But he's been in some other stuff. I just don't know offhand. Like, most of these characters, I most of these actors I know from, like, a major role. Ezra's been, or, yeah, Ezra's been in a lot of, like, smaller roles this is his biggest one and again the nice like background player who's important knows something's going on he's trying to figure out who the count really is before albert gets in trouble unfortunately for him he gets caught in the middle of it and later on has to make a choice and it ends up costing him dearly and it affects Albert yet again because a lot of this hinges on what everybody else kind of does and what Albert does as a reaction to most of it. So Franz is there for most of the most of the runtime trying to just not let this shit happen, but he can't really do anything about it. Um, as I said before, Albert's family parents specifically are the major focal point of the Count's revenge. Uh, Fernand de Morcerf is voiced by, I believe, Paul St. Peter. Let me make sure I've got this right. I've got the list in front of me. Yes, Paul St. Peter. He was, uh, Sahad in East 8 recently, but he's been, again, a lot of, like, smaller roles, you know, like, side character kind of things, but he's been in Xenosaga as a main character here and there. He's been, you know, around for quite a while, and he plays him very well. He plays Fernand as this go-getter, ambitious military man who's a, trying to be a political um, a political star in France, basically. So he runs the military, and he has control of everything. But at the side of it all, he caused the Count to be sent to jail. He is, he is just obsessed with Edmund's former, I guess, fiancé. I think they got to fiancé, yes. He conspired with several people to send Edmund to prison so that he could end up marrying Mercedes instead. And Mercedes is voiced by Karen Strassman, uh, Nanako and Igis from Persona, and again, many, many other things. Um, she knows that something's off. 
like as soon as as soon as the count meets Merce, uh, Mercedes, he he sees it, she sees it. It doesn't like they don't know it until it's too late, but they know who each other are, and they really can't stop it. Uh, and this is long after like he's already enacted revenge on other people, so. He is saving Fernand for last, and again, it's just crazy. Mercedes, you know, she likes Fernand, but, like, the interplay between her and Fernand is just like, you know, it's just, oh, it's just so, like, the juicy gossip thing. It's the, You know that, like, in the back of their minds, they don't love each other. And, oh, God, it's so, it's so good. They play it so well. I think one of the lines Fernand gets is, like, something's like, I, you never loved me when you were you were always thinking about Edmund instead. I was like, God, that was so awful. Because you know that couples have thought of that in like the darkest recesses of their minds, like in the worst possible situations. Like that could be a thing that has happened, and I'd be like, God, damn it. Um, so it's just so good. Um, other. Families and other main characters have their own parts to play. Eugenie Donglar is voiced by Michelle Ruff, um, also a Persona regular, and she's played. Damn it! I had the, I had the like go-to explanation for Eugenie um, when I was doing the setup for this. I don't have it in front of me, but basically, she is the like I want to do my own thing, but my parents know that. Like they're doing, they're choosing my entire life for me because they own everything. So she's rebelling against it. And she sort of likes Albert, but he doesn't like, it's an arranged marriage sort of thing. So like they do like themselves as the, because they're friends, but they were forced to be married and they were called off because the count pulled off some other person to do his, his own thing and then became Eugenie's fiance and then whatever, you know, it's it's a weird like back and forth. A lot of like Albert's storyline is centered beyond the count doing his own thing and talking with him all the time and like seating himself inside of Albert's head. And the other half of Albert's storyline is dealing with Eugenie and whether he likes her or not. It turns out he does, which is why, you know, the heyday thing, the Pepo thing doesn't really go anywhere, thank God, because you had one romance storyline, you don't need more. Um so Eugenie is nice and she's trying to live her life as a pianist and whatever but she's basically browbeaten by her dad who is uh julian donglar voiced by um doug stone and he was voiced he's voiced stuff i think the main person he's voiced was psychomantis from metal gear solid yes there was a voice actor that whole time they had him wearing a mask and shit or having a whatever but yes doug stone way back when did psychomantis but um, I've seen him in tons of other anime, including this one. So think of the money grubber. He owns a bank and he owns every goddamn thing and he can pay for every goddamn thing. And he thinks that everything is a commodity. He thinks his wife is a commodity. He thinks his daughter is a commodity. And the count comes in with this insane amount of money that has never explained how he got it. Space pirates, I guess. I don't know. But he has an unlimited bank account, I guess. And he uses that against Julian into the show and then finds a way to just fuck with him until it's too late. 
Um, but that's not the only thing he finds to do. Uh, Victoria Don Donglar, voiced by Mary Devon, she doesn't get a whole lot to do, but her story kind of co coincides with uh, Gerard de Villefaux. I hope I pronounced that right. I don't know my French. But Villefaux is voiced by Tom Weiner. Again, tons of different roles. Um, strangest one I remember was uh, M. Bison in a uh, Street Fighter anime one time. But he voices Vilfo in this, and Vilfo is a prosecutor slash judge. He is like just this this think of Manfred von Karma from uh, Persona or uh, Phoenix Wright. Sorry, I've got them on the brain. Think of him like Manfred von Karma from Phoenix Wright if he was a judge, and he was also in on this coup, and he ended up becoming a basically the judiciary and he has his own wife but he's also got this like weird love triangle going on and like someone born out of wedlock and then you know the count finds it and uses it against him and then he then the count finds his own wife uh Heloise de Vilfo voiced by uh Julianne Taylor again voice actors I've heard in everything great voice acting this cast is great take my word for it anyway um so I'm gushing over it, I know. But Heloise is from a second marriage, I believe. Not really. It's weird because he already has a has a kid. So I don't know if it's Gerard's or not. But Heloise is the one who takes care of the kid. And, you know, the kid doesn't really matter a whole bunch. But the way it works is that Gerard is always doing his own thing and doesn't really care. So the Count sees this and says... Well, I'm going to fall for you, but I have this little ring that's made of poisons and whatever, and he gets it in her head to have all this crazy shit going down, and she hates... I think what it is, is Gerard had hit, had a daughter, Valentine, but he remarried Heloise and had a kid and wanted to... You can see where this is starting to go. Long story short, the Count has involved in all of this stuff so everything every main character has to be involved there are other characters here and there and they have all their spots but really it comes down to the count comes down to albert Heide, franz and all the several families mostly the main characters they they focus a lot on albert quite a bit and what I find frustrating is that focus on Albert because the Count is such a dynamic figure that you just want him on screen at every moment. But you have to have Albert there to deal with side characters like Peppo. She was voiced by Carrie Savage. And during the initial part, like Albert and Franz go to a party on this planet that's basically a nightclub planet. Uh, Peppo tries to have sex with him and... Turns out it was a plot to have him for ransom. The Count takes him back to France and whatever. Peppo joins Albert's sta uh, staff as a maid, and she's always there just kind of fucking with, with him as like a like, get-your-ass-in-gear kind of person. She likes him, but she doesn't, and she's a boy, but she's not a boy, which I've never understood because I don't know the source material, so I don't know if she's a girl or a boy. God damn it, Japan does these things all the time. Anyway, so she's there too. Always there to give Albert a sort of punch in the gut or kick in the balls, whatever works best. Um, and she likes him. 
She does. Anyway, because everybody does, because he's the nice guy. But so Albert takes the count to meet all of the players and he conspires with all these like little mini stories. There's like 20 episodes of these little mini stories. They deal with the Vilfos, they deal with the Donglars, and it's building all this stuff and Albert has his own things on the side. Halfway through the show, Franz starts to piece together that something's not quite right. Albert finally figures it out because the Count flat out fucking tells him that this is a problem challenges him to a duel which is as stupid as an, an idea as you think it would be because yes this guy who's probably 45 years old and probably the best explanation i could give would be imagine if robin from batman tried to take on the uh king leonidas from 300 like maybe robin could do it but probably not it, it'd be a sword fight it'd be a bad idea um, because <laughs> who has more training? Who is ready to kill somebody? Uh, probably the older guy who has lived through this shit. So Albert doesn't know what he's in for. So he challenges him to a duel. Franz goes in his place and it goes about as well as you'd think. So yeah, Franz is out of the picture. <coughs> of course he is. And so the, the show keeps on going. And it leads and it leads and it leads and it leads it very well. I think they give everything time for it to breathe. It's hard to like know that like everything's paced perfectly, but I find that you have 26 episodes to really dig into what these characters are feeling. A lot of shows now either are the 12 episode thing that just stay 12 episodes and you don't know if they're going to get a second season. This knew right away it needed 26 episodes and it feels like it. And sometimes it may drag. I never felt that. Um, I was mesmerized by just what they were able to accomplish as far as the story goes because they weave everything in without it feeling shoehorned save for the Gunkutsuo change. I think Gunkutsuo is meant to be a character, um, Abe Fabria or something, and it just turned into this, like, ephemeral demon thing. Other than that, who really doesn't have much in the way of characterization, like, everybody gets their time. Even a lot of the side characters get a lot of, you know, extra stuff to do. And even though the Count and Albert are the, the main players, you still get to know these characters and know the setting that they're in, this aristocratic mess of a city that is, again, this, this amazing-looking show. And it comes down to the visual design. I said before that I was going to talk about it, and oh my god, I could gush over it for days, but I won't. Long story short, they used what was known as computer-generated layer, uh, layering to basically take several different uh, variations of these, like, Western Impressionist and Ukiyo-e um, visuals, and you can see it there on, faintly on their outfits. Take, take uh, the Count's, like, flame wristband things on his jacket like they're their own design his flowing hair is its own layering it's like three or four different layers that move as he moves albert's hair isn't just one plot you know one plank of hair his outfit isn't one plank in movement this is just 
insane. The the visuals move. The outfits move as they move. They look like they're zigzagging all over the place or they're jumping. Or if you go to a space setting, you see all the crazy CG, but you also see these like multicolored light shows. It's just lovely. But then you you know contrast that with the Marseille setting, which is a, a Marseille, which is a lot of just straightforward buildings but a lot of palisades and crazy coliseum kind of looking things like everything has its own feel to it everything speaks to you every design is different like everybody has a different outfit um the count has like two or three variations of the same style but nearly everybody else has like five or ten different outfits sometimes even a different outfit an episode and i'm shocked how they just managed to do it all i have no idea how much it costs to do that but it's something that i've never seen before and i don't know if i've ever seen again the closest i've ever seen to this again is madoka magica but only in a specific you know, it's a battle scene. Like, they did that as part of the, hey, here's another world, and it looks weird, like you're in a fucking, like, uh, old-school picture book. You know, this is just its own thing. If you've ever seen this show, or if you've never seen it before, you're in for something special every time you watch it, because you see something different. You see something vibrant. You see something that speaks to you. And that's what they were going for. They were not going for the standard, yeah, you're in a school setting, so they have the school outfits, or they, it's an aristocratic setting, so they have the old school outfits. No, they they went full bore with its own identity and own, you know, own style. They didn't specifically stick with the 18th or 17th century aesthetic. They didn't stick solely to a sci-fi aesthetic. They weaved in everything, and it looks like everything, and yet nothing you've ever seen before. And again, that's where one of the major strengths of the show is, is that visual storytelling. Um, the other thing I like, again, is the pacing. The pacing of the show is amazing. For 26 episodes, you're you're enraptured in these characters, and even the ones that aren't like as like vibrant as the Count is, you know, he's the guy that chews the scenery. He's the Thanos of the, you know, I keep using that example because it fits. Because he's on screen, you pay attention. Because he's such a good character. But other characters have to feed off of him, and they do so with their own reasons. The the, the interplay that he just weaves in and out of all these different storylines and is affecting all these people in different ways. And you can see their facades just kind of cracking and then everything just starting to coalesce as the show starts to ramp up towards the end, those last four or five episodes, or even in the last ten, things start to make sense, and they start to tell you who this guy is. He's back for revenge, and he's going to ruin you. That's the story. And you you kind of want him to succeed, and then you kind of also want the other people to not die in the process. I mean, certain people you want them to, but other people you're like, we're caught in the middle of this. We didn't deserve this. But everybody has a reason for why they're there, and they don't feel like they're being shortchanged at all, and that speaks to giving the show time to breathe. Um, some shows either take way too long, you know, 52 episodes or whatever, or in some cases, you know, 70 or 100 or 1,000. You know, I'm never never reviewing those kinds of shows, by the way, um, unless it's a very condensed form. But you also couldn't have done this in 12 episodes. 
without really kind of taking away a lot of what makes this good. The, these subtle moments of change that these characters are going through. Um, if if I'm going to say anything that's wrong with the show, I'd start again with Gankutsu himself is kind of not there. You know, for something that is in the title, he's not. He's an ever-present form, but he's not really a. He he's an ephemeral demon parasite sort of thing. He's in the count, but he's not in the count, and he's just there. He's the one who helped give him power, but it didn't. Like it's just he's powering the count and he's killing him at the same time but he himself is not really like the main villain because the count still is the one doing all the villainy and shit so it's like he doesn't come across as anything special which is the sh which sucks because a lot of characters do um and you know i could have seen that a little bit more other than like the flashback scenes where they tell you why he's powering the count the way he's doing it. Um, the other thing I don't really like is Albert as the viewpoint character. I've said I've enjoy, I enjoy it from the sense that he is seeing the world around him crumble. And it's good to see that from a character's perspective. And I think he does better than, say, a Vaughn, you know, from Final Fantasy Twelve. You know, he's not like that. You know, he has a reason to be who he is, and he's naive to a fault, but he's still trying to at least, you know, grow up and understand things, but he doesn't, because he knows that he's this young kid, and I think that the way they were trying to phrase it was they they focus on him so much, almost that he's the main character, because they want to show how things are changing around him and trying to, uh, like, the traditional society versus what he wants and what Eugenie wants and what the Count is trying to do. Like, it's a decent backdrop, but again, the story about the Count getting his revenge is the story. And I suppose the benefit of having Albert there is you have a central character with which he is being driven up a wall because he knows that the Count has saved his life, but it doesn't he takes forever to figure out that it was a ploy to get into where he was trying to get into. And he, you know, the interaction between him and Franz is good. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying it's when you have a character that is a 10, like the Count is, Albert being like a 6 just kind of, it's just there. He's protagonist guy. He's probably in the story, I'm not going to say he's probably not, because, again, I haven't read the story, but he's treated as the main character, even though the Count is way better at it. And uh, he just comes off as a bit of a dork, and it does drive me up a wall sometimes. This isn't the worst type of character that they've ever done that for. There are worse versions of this character out there, as I've said. But him, he is a viewpoint. He's just there. And... The only other negative I would put would be the duel. Uh, the duel between him and who is supposedly Albert, but is actually Franz in disguise. Um, given the aesthetic that they chose, this space adventure, you know, but also set mostly in France, and they show a lot of, like, the cool swordplay and fencing style from that old-school French and Spanish... Uh, 
time period, that, that fencing style. I would have loved to see a lot more of that. And they do, on occasion, have a couple of fencing battles. But the duel itself, and, and I think this has something to do with Gonzo Entertainment, or Gonzo who did the show, because they do a lot of that like crazy CG everywhere. You'll know a Gonzo show when you see it, because the CG sticks out like a sore thumb, for better or for worse. They spent the, an episode doing a duel in giant mech armor. And it's cool looking, but you could have done the same thing with horse and knight armor. You could have just done them in knight garb and just had, like, Franz wear a, like, a very dense helmet so that the, the whole idea is that Franz doesn't speak so the Count doesn't know that he switched places with Albert this whole time. You could still accomplish that feat without having to go for the rigmarole. And, oh my god, look at these mech monster things with these giant swords. It's like, we don't need a Voltron in a 17th century duel. It, it's, it's a Megazord in a 17th century France. It's cool. It's space sort of adjacent, but not really. I don't mind the mech suits as part of the military. I just wonder where the fuck the Count would have gotten one and why they decided to do it. If you're going to do something like that, explain why it has to be that way. They just kind of do it for the sake of doing it, and they don't really explain why they're in the mech suits other than they look cool. And if you want something that looks awesome, it's great, but the more you look at it, you're like, yeah, I would have preferred just a straightforward battle. Maybe doing that, you could have seen that Albert or Franz would have been you know, given away their fighting style, but I think the Count wouldn't have given a shit either way. I'm pretty sure he would have killed Franz if he wanted to or didn't. He would have just done it anyway. So I find the mech suit battle kind of there. Take it or leave it. The The story doesn't change just because of that. I just think it's a it's a needless spectacle. But at the end of the day, the, the show revolves around the Count of Monte Cristo. And I said before that this character is so good, whether he's trying to play the the upstanding, you know, nice guy who's really just a dick to you in passing, this tortured soul who's been through this crazy imprisonment and has come back to exact revenge. He he is portrayed so well. And again, I, I go to Jameson Price, and if you've watched the Japanese version, you could say the Japanese actor did the same thing. I watch the English version. I always do. But to me, this character is such a massive complexes, but his visual style, he gives you this, I look like Dracula, but I act like Thanos, but I'm also this, like, when I need to be, I'm this charismatic good guy who is trying to get what he needs and is always able to just, like, silver tongue his way, and you feel for him. You know that in the back of your mind, he is justified, and those are the best villains of all time. The best villains or the best heels or whatever are the ones who are absolutely justified in their reasons. You root for them even though what they're doing is wrong. Even though what they're doing is so far beyond human comprehension and, you know, stable thinking and whatever. And you see that. You see that in this character and he is played very well. So the two main draws to this show, now that I'm finished is the Count of Monte Cristo himself as a character and as a vocal performance from Price and just the allure of the backdrops of the character designs, their clothes just feel like they're alive and they're 
just a leafing tapestry of of computer generated graphics I'd never seen before, and it's such a good show. It has so much going for it. Even if it was just a story, it would have worked. Even if it was just a character piece, it would have worked. Even if it was just a period piece, it would have worked. But so many good things work in its advantage. And outside of a few nitpicks that I said, I'm just like, there's too much to like to not like the show. And I love this. I rewatched it about a year ago, and I'm just still 15 years later in all of this it's not my favorite but it is up there as like top 10 material and i don't say that very lightly so if you've never seen it i would definitely go see it i found it on funimation i believe it might be on other services but there is no reason not to watch this Uh, but that'll do it for me today and next week will be odin's here speaking of things nobody has a reason not to play Odin Sphere is its own awesome thing, and I'll talk about that next time. Uh, The next anime in two weeks will be Madoka Magica. Oh boy, a great, cute, and wholesome girl show. It's so awesome and magical and fun and happy and... Are Are you guys gone? It's an amazingly fucked up show. Oh God, we're talking about it, yes. <laughs> anyway, after that, um, Chrono Cross. So, so we go from Odin Sphere, then we go to Madoka Magica, then we go to Chrono Cross, and all I will say about Chrono Cross is, I like some of it, sort of, but it's got a lot of things that go wrong, and when you're coming off of a game as transcendent as Chrono Trigger, just good is not good enough, but I'm not going to hate on it. I'll save my hatred for show, for shows or games that truly, truly suck. Chrono Cross has its moments, and it's got a very, very good soundtrack. So I'm not going to completely shit on it. But that's our schedule. And again, in a month or so, we're going to have the special Miku episode where I'm going to gush over that for probably an hour. I'm going to do my best to do some more um, studying up on the Vocaloid stuff. I know on my Discord, I'm counting down... Um, my favorite Project Diva song. So I'm going to be talking extensively about Vocaloid in general, not just the games that I play and stream. But hopefully that's a lot for us to do over the next month or so. If I get a if I get a um, podcast guest set up, we'll have that episode here and there. But we've got our schedule regardless. So we're going to be doing stuff regardless of the setup. So who knows? But I hope you guys keep on watching. Please like, share, and subscribe. Please tell me if you're liking this stuff, if you think I shouldn't be doing it and should just fuck off and whatever. You know, that's fine. That's your opinion. But hey, tell me what I could do better. I've opened up. I think this episode is one of those ones where I opened up a bit more and did less analytical stuff and was very enthusiastic. And I hope it came across better than normal. But that'll do it for me. See you guys next time. Citizen Strife, signing off.